about the best fighting in ring performer on the planet right now. Right now, yes, yeah, I would that I will agree with. And I'd love to see him. But I see him, him and Will Osprey go one on one too. Well, the nice thing was is that we, um, you know, we've been calling for this match since the first time they tagged against each other, and to finally see it was just that, that was fantastic. And I'm glad they gave it to Ray and not Phoenix. Or I'm sorry, Ray and not uh, Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, because you and I, you and I are both on the on the uh, wrong side of of the I think the internet when we think that Ray Mysterio, that Ray Phoenix is better than his brother. Yeah. yeah, well, I think he's there too. I I think he's he's like Nick. He's the flashy one of the group. Uh, he's the one that gets everybody standing up standing up like the luchadors used to do when they first came in. Uh, you and I talked about it, about the Eddie Guerrero, um, Ray Mysterio match from Halloween Havoc 96, where everybody was, that was their match of the night, match of the year. And both you and I were like, uh, no macho man and, uh, and DDP put on the match of the night, but everybody was so enamored by the flipping and the, and the, um, you know, all the fancy moves that they'd never seen before. And that's what both Phoenix and Nick bring to this match. Now, this was one, this was, had a very good story told. This was, um, one of those, why the hell is Matt Hardy on Raw? Didn't he retire? Why are you watching Raw is a better question. Why is he doing his version one gimmick too? I, it's just on the background. I got to have wrestling on when I talk wrestling. So, <laughs> but, but dude, he's back. He's, he's back to the version one gimmick and he's, he retired. I'm over it. I'm over it already. Shutting it off. Can't do it. Um, anyway, where was I? Where's oh about how I, they're the flashy ones of the bunch, and uh, and they 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 get people up out of their seats, and they delivered. They told a story, kept us excited, and, and but where I think that they excel, I think they have drawbacks in other spots that keep them from being the best wrestler in the world. Like I don't know. I, I mean. Ray Phoenix is a great high flyer and he uses his athletic ability to tell a good story, but I've never seen him in a ground and pound type storytelling. So I don't know, you know, where you got other guys that can put on flashy moves like Jay White and Will Ospreay and, um, you know, Marty Skrull and, and Cody, but they also have that ground and pound story in them. And I haven't seen that out of Phoenix, out of either Ray Phoenix or Nick Jackson yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I just, I just personally prefer. Well, I, I said my reasons before why I, why I preferred um, Phoenix. Oh yeah, I mean, Pentagon. I Pentagon. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I, 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 I think, I think that you know, regardless of how good a storyteller Pentagon's capable of being in the ring, he simply. Um, doesn't emphasize it with the way that he does his gimmick and his gimmick and his taunts. So. Yeah. And that's exactly it. his, his gimmicks have, his gimmicks are not on the same page that his, um, that his in ring ability is. Right. He's not, you know, he's not playing to his strengths and his gimmicks anymore. Like he used to back in, um, well, in his feud with Sammy Callahan in impact a couple of years ago and everything that he did on Lucha Underground, 
you know, played his gimmick, fit his style. And now I don't know what his style is. I don't know what his gimmick is. I just know that it's annoying that he goes out and does that taunt every 15 seconds. Exactly. And I know it's to pop, I know it's to pop the crowd and everything, but it's, it's getting a whole lot worse than the, the suck it chant from uh, the late nineties. Just doing it to get the, the crowd. Yeah, well, and, and it bugs me that the crowd goes along with it, too, because it doesn't mean anything. You know, his no fear means nothing bug- when, he, when he's doing it, when he's in, in dominant control of the match. Well, not only does it bug me that, it, um, that they go along with it, it bugs me that they go along with it every single time. He can break that out 25 times in a match, and the crowd's chanting right along with it. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's meanwhile, what annoys me. But. Whenever Phoenix does that, does t- the no fear thing because he because he does do it because it's his brother and you know they share that taunt. He does it when he's when he's about to do like something really risky from the top rope and stuff that where it makes sense that he that he was is showing that he has no fear. You know. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean these two these two put on a, a match probably the match of the night. Um, I I enjoyed the tag match later on. I enjoyed the main event, but I, I can't argue. Mm-hmm against this match for being the match of the night and it opened the show. I felt like they gave us everything we thought we would get from them. They delivered on everything that we had hoped for. And like you said, a best of seven series. Oh, hell yeah. Sign me up. I want to see that. I definitely want to see that. Which is amazing considering the fact that Nick Jackson hadn't had a singles match in, what do they say, 221 straight matches or something before that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been like five or six years since he had a, a singles match and that was in ring of honor. Yeah, and that was when and that was when Matt had hurt his had messed up his back and wasn't able to wrestle for a few weeks. Yeah, so I mean it's been a long damn time since he's had one, and it, you know he's he was fine, but then again these guys are conditioned for that, so of course they're fine. You know they it's what they do. Well, you know what Tony Schiavone always used to say is, in order to be a great single tag wrestler, you first have to be a great singles wrestler. Right. <laughs> Because that always makes sense, especially when you consider that most of the greats came out of tag teams. <laughs> yeah, that was gonna crack me up actually when you said that. But yeah, I mean, I I absolutely love that match. Uh, the women's match had its moments. I, I I I'm just so bored with Britt Baker, and I don't know who this other chick was, and it just I don't know. I have had little to no interest in it and they didn't do anything to make me have interest in it well the chick was the one that that faced um rio at all out to see who got a shot to, to see which one of them was, was going to face the winner of the battle royal to become the first ever women's champion well and remember we didn't know why she got the shot then either Right. Yeah, we we didn't know why she would, and now she's you know the number two or number one contender or something like that, and it, it just it, I still don't. At least this time she earned the champ or the title shot. Last time she just kind of was thrown in there and said, "Oh, we need someone to go up against Riho." Yep. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I I Britt Baker confuses me. There's some weeks I really like her style, then there's other weeks like this week where she looks sloppy and bored. She doesn't look like she's totally into her, into the match. She's not selling the way that she should. She's not, you know, she's she's not telling any type of story. She's just out there hitting moves. Well, hopefully she's one of those performers that that's going to end up. Or I should say, hopefully she doesn't have to be one of those performers that 
you can tell when they're going to win or lose a match because of the way that they wrestle in it. Oh, you mean Randy Orton? <laughs> <laughs> unless he's unless Randy Orton's motivated, he does not put on a good match, and, and unfortunately, that's kind of what I've been seeing out of Britt Baker too in her short time. Yeah, I was I wasn't going to say that's what I've seen, but I was I was hoping I'm just saying I hope that's not what we see in the future from her. Right. I don't either, but that's that's kind of the feeling I've gotten from her. And like this one, it just didn't feel like she was motivated at all. She just didn't have she didn't have that little zip. She wasn't selling the way that she did the last time we saw her. You know, she just didn't seem like she really cared or wanted to be there. And I might be, you know, I might be 100% wrong, but maybe her head just wasn't in it. I don't know. It's just, I, I've noticed that out of Brit, and it, it kind of bothers me a little bit that sometimes she's in, sometimes, you know, she's not. And I have not had a chance to see um, War Games yet, but I, I do hear that she was actually in the crowd at War Games. It was mentioned on commentary as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Adam Cole was backstage at one of the one of the shows, too. It's because they're... I don't know. I don't. I don't know how well that's going to go over with Tony Khan, <laughs> considering he just had a little Twitter fight with WWE guys. Um. Yeah, he did, and he won. Of course, he did. Because everything he said was a hundred percent true. I don't care if it happened six months ago, three years ago. It was a hundred percent true. I wish I, 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 I wish it would stop though honestly I mean the, the Twitter stuff is it's kind of irritating because it really doesn't mean anything well the thing that that I hate the most about it is it always starts with Seth Rollins and then other people chime in just because they want to have their fun and for all the rumors going around about Randy Orton possibly going to AEW wanting out of his contract and all this stuff first of all Randy Orton's a, a WWE lifer they will retire him. He, it's WWE has been in his blood since the early eighties, late seventies. And he's just, he's not going anywhere. Um, secondly, if he is going anywhere and, and of course he wants to go to AEW is by the rumors. Why would he get into an open fight with the owner? Excellent question. Not I one that either. For you. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Unless it's a word. Mass, but. I don't know. Possibly, but yeah, I I, I will never. I, why why? I will never trust a Matt Hardy retirement again. He's starting to become Brett Favre. I thought you said you, thought you, said you turned it off. I lied. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> I gotta have some kind of wrestling knot. <laughs> well, I gotta have something with a ring and and people in wrestling gear. Do you know um, how much you know you know how much wrestling there is out there on other platforms? You don't have to watch Raw. Yeah, but I, I the problem is is I was watching the replay or not the replay, but I was watching my DVR um right up until showtime, so I wasn't able to oh, uh, go to my Fire Stick, open up my apps and everything. I just flipped on, you know, next flipped on the actual TV. And this is what was on, so Yeah, you're so positive. Okay. Alistair Black has the coolest entrance in the WWE right now. I'm not. I, I, hey, I've never hidden that. I'll watch a match if if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, this, here's a great match that happened." I'll watch it. I, I'll. I have no problems doing that. I, there's a match from last night that I want to watch. Actually, a couple of them that I heard were amazing that I really, really want to watch. So <clears throat> I'm not going to uh, 
ever deny that I still occasionally watch WWE. Right, but there's a difference between watching matches that were recommended for you now and not and you mining for the matches that you like you are right now. Well, no, I'm not even really doing that. It's just kind of on in the background. And unfortunately, now that I don't have a wall in my kitchen, <laughs> I can see my TV. So there's that. Um, anyway, I you know the rest of the night, I, that battle royal was okay. I'm a little bit disappointed that um, Billy Gunn got the biggest pop of the night. That was a little disappointing. I'm also curious what is going on with Hangman. He left the Elite. Yeah, is I, that what they were talking about? That's what it sounded like they said, isn't it? It. I mean, they said it sounded like they said he left it on being the Elite, which I, I haven't been able to watch being the Elite in oh god, since, probably since AEW launched. Um, but they, uh, that doesn't make sense. I mean, how is that for a career move for him? Well, I think it said something like if he can't win, he doesn't deserve to be in the elite or something. Isn't that what they said? Let's see. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was saying that he's not winning, so he's going to try a different approach. Oh, was that what it was? That's what I thought I heard, and I may have heard something differently than you did. But you know, or I may have heard it a different way, just interpreted it a different way. But that's the way it sounded to me. It was like he quit the elite because he's not winning, so he's going to quit to become, you know, to hopefully get a change of pace and start winning, which made no sense to me because outside of his loss to Pack and his loss to Jericho, hasn't he pretty much won every time out? Well, he lost to Jericho, and he lost twice to... To Pac. That's about it, though. But no, Yeah, but nobody else. He wins every battle royal he's in. He wins 90% of the matches and tag matches and everything. So where is this supposed losing streak coming from? Where he never wins. Man, uh, it seems to me... That he's sick and tired of losing and being the least successful member of the group on the latest episode of Being the Elite. Really? I thought that was Kenny Omega like a week ago. Wasn't everybody just bitching that Kenny Omega was the one on the losing streak who couldn't win a match? Yep. So confusing. So dumb. I thought that was Kenny Omega, and it's not like the Young Bucks have had a really great win-loss record either. None of the elite has, except for Cody. No, Cody's. if you really think, really think about it, though, how... How far was Hangman going to go being, like, the least popular member of the Elite? You know... I, I Cody, argue that... Cody, he, Cody, Kenny, the Young Bucks, even Marty Skrull, who's not even part of the group right now, are all more popular than he is. Except he's still on their uh, VTR, from what I understand. When they roll the credits at the beginning, the intro, I guess he still makes an appearance on there. Okay. Um, but regardless, is he really the least popular member? He gets almost as big a pop as anybody else. I you're, he's, say, you're saying that you're saying that he's possible. He's more popular than Cody, Kenny Omega, or the Young Bucks. I don't. I'm not going to say he's more popular than them. But I don't think any one of those three are more popular than the other. I think they're all on an equal level. And I think Paige, with the cheers he gets and the way people follow him and pump him up, he's on their level. I mean, he's not a main eventer yet, like those four are. 
but as far as you know fans cheering for him and all this stuff he's right on that level with the rest of them first of all yes he is a main eventer he main evented the second ever AEW pay-per-view um secondly <laughs> I, I think that I think that it makes a lot of sense for him to kind of want to step out of their shadow and, and become his own man and try to become and try to get more popular and, and rise up that way it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be a permanent divorce they don't have to be friends anymore but it, it just means that he's not part of the group and he's and he's stepping out on his own I don't think there's anything wrong with that see and I think they had a perfect setup you know they had the five against five uh, with the bucks or with the elite and and the inner circle they were set up perfectly to have that little feud go on and on for a little while and now it's just it doesn't make any sense i mean granted it's like sammy guevara is the least known member of the inner circle but i you can't see him walking away although with those purple pants he had on last week i hope he takes a week off but he also just joined the inner circle the inner circle's only been around for seven weeks and hanging out with the elite for two years yeah i guess you're right yeah, yeah, it does make sense. And but might, anyway, and it, be, and it might just be a thing where you know they all go their separate ways. Like the Bucks go their own, go their separate way. Cody goes his own way. Omega goes his own way, and then they finally have to come back together to fight off the inner circle. You know, and that actually would make more sense. I mean, there was another thing that happened a little later on, but I need to say this. I did, you know, I kind of said it and it got blown by. But Sammy Guevara wearing purple pants, he needs a week timeout. He should not be allowed on TV again for for this week, at least this week, because he wore those purple pants. And this has been the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy update. <laughs> it was terrible. It reminded me of Jeff Jarrett and his white pants. So you're a fashion police now. You're, well, you're, somebody you're, has you're to be. You're the fucking Brizongo. Well, they're on, a, they're on a different channel, so I have to be. Oh my God. Let's not even get started about Jericho's jacket. Apparently you want to. Apparently that's all you care about these days. Is fashion. <laughs> it's fashion. Although Jeff, I will say it. Jeff is going to have his own three-minute segment every week now called The Passion for Fashion. Don't tempt me. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, um, the other thing that I, it's been a pet peeve of mine since like as long as I can remember, even back in the 80s. Why does somebody come out for an interview with a jacket on and they rip that jacket off and they're ready to wrestle? They've got no shirt underneath it. How many times do you walk out in public and don't have a shirt on under your jacket? But it seems like every wrestler does that. Very rarely does a guy take off his jacket and there's a shirt underneath it. I'm just saying. It's one of those pet peeve little things that annoys me. Those little details. Okay. (laughs) And now let's see if we can get this train rolling again. (laughs) Speaking of Chris Chris Jericho, um, remember how he's the GOAT? Yeah, shut up. I don't don't want to hear it. I I know where you're going with this. He's the greatest of all time. Remember how he's he's the smartest guy in the room? Remember yes. how he has com- completely dominated AEW to this point? Remember he how got... he's the only AEW world champion ever? And the youngest well, AEW world champion yes, ever. Yes, okay. I was going to make sure you got that he, in there. He beat The Rock and Steve Austin, not only in the same night, but in back-to-back matches on the same night to be the first ever 
WWE Undisputed Champion. He was the man of a thousand and four holds. He outsmarted every single person in WCW. And yet, he's, he's outs- conned into putting his world title on the line by Scorpio Sky and Christopher Daniels. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, Frankie's I mean, I mean, the one conned I mean, for that. It was ridiculous. I mean, not only, I mean, I, I'm already annoyed that Scorpio Sky is getting a world title shot, and that he was the first guy to pin Chris Jericho in, a, in Dynamite or AEW. You know that. Yeah, but, I know. But to make Chris Jericho look like the world's biggest dumbass, that that he was really going to believe that Scorpio Sky wouldn't want a title shot, and was going to be scared of a title shot, so he's going to put the title on the line against him to, just to intimidate him further, that was not something I was able to suspend my disbelief for at all. That was completely and utterly no, ridiculous. Was, it was brutal. And the other the other part of that interview that I really... It was it was fun little comedy bit, but I don't know if Hagar was the right guy to deliver that fun little comedy bit. It would oh, have been sorry, better if it, yeah, it would have been better if that was Guevara out there that did it, that did the sorry. You know, but Hagar, you've got him as the silent assassin. He's, you know, he's playing his role perfectly. Yeah, you know, even in his when they did their little mockumentary of of Jericho training for the Cody match, he didn't say a word. Having him come out there to be uh, comedy relief, I think, was a little bit of a misstep. Well, the problem with your with your theory is that would also mean that Semi Guevara knows how to say the word sorry, and I'm not sure that's the case. And, and that's true, but anybody anybody else. Would have been good. You, you could have had he could have had MJF out there with him. <laughs> you know, I'm just because MJF is the kind of guy that would give you that sarcastic sorry, and it would be believable that it's sarcastic, and he fits the comedy bill too. All right, let me spell this out for you. MJF is not a member of the inner circle. I don't think he is. I think he's doing his own thing, but it doesn't mean that they're not friends. They can still have their little funny little friendship thing. Yeah, I don't think we need to see that every single week. So no, I, I think I think okay. Hagar was perfect for that role, honestly. I see. I disagree. I, I liked him now, better. We've now heard him say one word. He said well, a few he times. said we've seen. Well, we heard him say it one time or one word. He actually said a full sentence. Oh, did he? What did he say? Yes. Uh, I am sorry. Oh, okay. My bad. Or Jerko is sorry or something like that. I mean, yeah, he's still a caveman talk, but um, I don't know. I just felt like it was it, to to have him speak for the first time as a comedy bit. I felt was a little bit, a little bit of a misstep, but that's just me. I mean, that doesn't. That's just something that I, I, uh, I keep in mind. I did just say I hate the fact that people come out without shirts under the jackets. So you can't really take what I say to heart. Um, I also want to say that you know I give you props every time you're right about something. So I'm just I just want to say that the, I the, know the, the dynamite I'm not before even... the dynamite before after dark before that I said that Scorpio Sky was getting a world title shot and you said no why would he get a world title shot and I said because that's how it works in pro wrestling you you pin the champion you oh get no out of the I, title and you said I agree. you said you said and you said no that's not that doesn't necessarily how it go, how it works it doesn't always work that time and you were arguing with me it was going to happen and it happened he gets a t- shot at the well, title because he pinned the champion I wasn't I mean I'll give you credit where credit is due yes you called it um but I didn't disagree with you i basically said that i hope that they don't and i gave you reasons why they didn't have to 
but I, I I'll give you credit. You were correct, and I'm and I'm pissed off that you were correct because I hated it. Yeah, I still hate it. And you know what I'm gonna you know what I'm going to hate even more. DJ needs a haircut. Jesus Christ! Shut up! We don't do a WWE <laughs> show. Shut the fucking TV off. I'm just throwing these in to see if I can get you going. <laughs> No, I can't. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say though, Jeff? What? Is if Scorpio Sky wins on Wednesday night and becomes the new AW champion. That is going to drive me up the fucking wall. You know, I want to argue with you, but I'm afraid that arguing with you last week is what made this come true. So I'm just going to say, uh-huh, and let's move on before, before I jinx it. All right. What else would we, we talk about from the show? Um, well, that tag match, which was really, really good, um, until the blown spot at the end. Did you catch the... I remember, what, was the what was the blown spot at the end? Um, where, uh, I can't remember his name, not Quinn, the other guy. Cassidy? Uh, Cassidy had um, Santana pinned in the middle of the ring. The ref counts, and he's got his foot underneath the rope. And Santana misses the sp- or uh, Santana misses the spot. So he literally keeps scooting further and further back, sticking his foot further under the rope, and then finally just quits the count at two and starts yelling at Santana. So oh. they uh, so they. You know, the referees first try to sell it that he uh, that he pulled him out of the ring after they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on for a couple minutes. And then they tried to sell the fact that he that Santana clearly pulled him out, you know, grabbed his foot and pulled him. And then when that nobody was buying that, then they said that, well, I, he, I, it looks like what he's saying is that Santana is not the legal or that or, you know, Ortiz, Ortiz is not the Ortiz legal. Wasn't legal man. Yeah. And but Santana is. And then five seconds after that. He's counting the pinfall that Ortiz is putting on on Cassidy. Right. That, that entire yeah. that entire segment with a little section just took me completely out of what was a great match. Yeah, it was and, a really good match. It, it just it, it's it seems like we've had so many great tag matches in the last few weeks that I guess this one I thought was really good, but didn't really hit my radar as being a great tag match. Eh, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I still, I think it was great. Um, I, I don't think it was the upper echelon where 90% of them have been lately. But I think as far as tag team matches go, it was one of the better ones I've seen in, in AEW. I felt like they were put, uh, telling a really good story. I felt like the athleticism and everything and even Quinn selling that back injury was done perfectly until Santana missed that spot. Once Santana missed that spot and just all continuity went out the window, I, I just I couldn't get it back on track. And and honestly, you know what? When they hit Gin and Juice and there was that pin on Ortiz, I was like, I honestly did not. I honestly was sitting there like it was almost like it was surreal. I was like, really? They're going to pin them after after they hit their finisher? Um, right. One of the best tag teams in the on the planet. So I, I was really surprised by it. And I like, um, you know. Yeah, I, it just, I don't know. It was, it was a good, yeah, it was a good to great match. Now you got me backtracking on it. But I just don't think it was, um, I think that one spot really hurt it. Really, really hurt it. Well, 
I mean, even even like in in the previous two weeks, I mean, would you would you say this match was better than the Bucks versus them? Because I wouldn't say it was. No, God, no, no, not even. And it, de- you know, but and, and, and it was. I, and remember, I thought the Bucks versus versus uh, PNPU. I thought they were holding back on that one. So, you know, it, it just well, in it's, the it's probably it's probably like a three and a half, three three quarter star match. I would say. I felt it was better than Private Party versus Dark Order. Um, yeah, it was, but it wasn't better than Private Party versus the Young Bucks. No, and it wasn't better than, um, Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it was a solid, good to great match. I mean, depending on the night I watch it, I, basically the only reason I wanted to bring it up was because of that blown spot and how, how horribly done it was. Like there's, speaking you see blown spots. Speaking of things that have been blown in this in this company, I think Peter Avalon as the librarian has been blown to shit. Yeah, it's it's time to end that. I mean, he's such a talented wrestler, and he's just getting jobbed out in a horrible gimmick. You know, he's literally getting out there for what Luchasaurus hit two moves on him. I believe so. kicked him in the face, and then it's just ridiculous. And he's a he's a very talented wrestler. Who not that long ago was challenging for the NWA title, wasn't he? Yep, he sure was. You know, and and to see, to see him get embarrassed like this, and and then obviously the chick librarian is just his sidekick. She's not even a wrestler anymore. Um, she's wrestled a few times. Yeah, but she hasn't since they started live TV. I think she wrestled in one of the buy-in shows, and then she wrestled. Um, in like yeah, and actually the two pre-shows, the first two pre-shows she wrestled, and then I don't think she has since. Okay. And an, another thing, another thing that I do want to make a complaint about, and it's it's, you know, we've been complaining about uh, going to commercial breaks during matches. Um, you know, we we've complained about that for a decade. I would much rather have them go to commercial break during the matches than during the backstage skits where they've got the wrestlers talking to each other and we can't hear it because it's in a side screen and we're listening to the damn commercial. It's every single week that happens. Have you noticed that or is it just me? Could, well, you I had what I'm assuming what I'm assuming was a pretty good skit between uh, Jericho and, and Hagar leading up to him coming out for that entrance and we didn't hear a single thing. All we saw was him put a hard hat on, throw some books around, and um, Marco's stunt looked like he was being made fun of, but we couldn't hear it. You know, it, it just that's that's starting to annoy me because that's every week, and it's a couple times uh, in every episode. I would much rather have them do that split screen during a match so we can still watch the match going on than to do it during a backstage segment. Absolutely. It makes no sense to do it back turning back to stage statement unless there's like no verbal stuff going on during that backstage statement. Yeah, like if it had been Moxley doing his little training bit and then you know saw Darby Allen doing the paint, that would have been fine. But then when it came out to being Jericho and, and Hagar walking down talking to people, that's where it, it kind of missed a beat. And speaking of Moxley and Darby Allen, I, I am I I'm loving those two. <laughs> Darby Allen is is so incredible. He just 
we said this the first time we saw it, we ever watched him. He is what he is the wrestler that Jimmy Havoc wishes he could be. Now, granted, we've seen Jimmy Havoc actually put on wrestling matches and not just his hardcore stuff. But Darby Allen is that is that talented. He's got a lot of talent in him, and he's somebody that every time I watch him, I enjoy him more and more. Yeah, he's really good. I, I really enjoy him. I, you know, I, I don't really remember this match very well. So, and I think, and I think part of it might just be, might just be because there was like commercials during it and stuff. But um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was a bad match, but I just I just don't really remember much from it, honestly. It wasn't. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't anything special. It was not what I was expecting. I mean, when you when you see it, Darby Allen against Moxley, you're not expecting a straightforward wrestling match, and that's what we got. Um, so it it kind of you know confused me a little bit, but I felt like I I, I like the way Darby Allen sells. Um, I could do without the the stupid body bag bit. But I like the I like the way he sells. I like the way he he moves around. I, I the coffin drop being countered into the um, yeah. I, he was trying to put on triangle, but it didn't work out so well. It ended up being a sleeper hold. Yeah. Um, was entertaining. I thought that was a really unique counter to it. Um, and speaking, that speaking uh, of the body bag thing, I I you know the announcer saying I can't remember which, which announcer it was. I think it was Shivani actually that said well. He brought the body bag in there into the ring, so it's you know so something about Moxley. It's okay for Moxley to use. It's like no, that's never been the rule. It doesn't matter who brings a weapon into the ring; it's still illegal to use it. You know? Well, he never actually brought it into the ring. He laid it uh, ringside. No, he dragged it into the ring, and that's when Moxley like kicked him and then took the bag from him and put him in it. Oh, okay. But All right. still, yeah, it still should be illegal to put somebody in a body bag, regardless of who brought it into the damn ring. Well, it's like, how many times have you did you see Eddie Guerrero pull that bit where he'd bring the chair in and then throw it in the other guy's hands and and act like he got hit and the other guy would get disqualified because right, it wasn't okay to use watched, a chair. Watched him put the body, put him in the body bag. You know. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but you're right. It, it's never okay to use the foreign object just because it was brought in by the other guy. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, there. I mean. I did, and the other thing that I really liked about this match was that um, Avalanche pay, Paradigm Shift. Yeah, that was I thought, awesome. Yeah, that was a really cool move. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't want to say this show was dull um, because it wasn't. It had a few missteps and it had some really good wrestling, but I did start to notice a few of the commercial breaks happening a little more often. Like when we're taking two, three um, commercial breaks during one match that's starting to be a little much. And I know it's because they let the matches go longer, but still, that's starting to be a little too much. A bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and honestly, we probably would be a little bit higher on this show if we were coming off of it live like we normally are. But oh, I'm sure we, we would have. We've got some days that I suggested, and there's been, there was just some things in there we didn't um, care for, I guess. But yeah, it, well, it, I, I, th- I still thought it was a strong show. Um, and... You know, it's maybe not. And you know, if you think about the way they they booked Darby Allen so far, it's been. I mean, his losses have all been kind of like in spectacular fashion, or or like or like you know, fashion where it still makes him look strong. Like it took Jake Hager hitting him in the head off the top rope in order for for Jericho to beat him, and now here yeah. it takes the Avalanche version of the paradigm shift in order for Moxley to beat him. 
So Darby Allen is, is kind of looking almost like a world beater at this point. Yeah, he is. And I mean, they're, they're booking him strong in, in, you know, we, we talk about how they're booking Scorpio sky and making him look strong all the time. I think they're, they're doing a much better job with that same thing with Darby Allen. Right. At least, um, you know, at least Darby Allen literally is coming out of nowhere. I wouldn't, I didn't know who he was. I'd never heard his name before this, uh, um, before AEW. So, you know, I, it, where Scorpio Sky, I've known for a couple of years now. It, it just, I like the way that they're booking him and, and getting him into these spots. Um, I still think his title match against Jericho was a little rough to digest, but all in all, I think they've done a great job with him. Yeah, they have. Yeah, I, I'm not... I don't, remember, I don't remember the. I don't remember why you thought it was t- tough. To, oh, I think it was just because of the, of the, he only had beaten Jimmy Havoc to get the title shot, right? Right. He, you know, he had zero losses up until that, and they were. And I didn't understand why both him and Jimmy Havoc were in a number one contender match when neither one of them really did anything to deserve that distinction. Yeah, it was six weeks ago. Get over it. Oh, I'm over it now. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna all of a sudden forget the missteps just because I really like a guy. Um, you no, know, Darby that, Allen. That, that's how you were trained by the other organization that you're watching, that you're watching on your, on your TV is that you were trained that you're not supposed to have a brain. You're not supposed to remember things in pro wrestling. Well, and there was a couple of spots in this show that I felt like that too. Like they were trying to, um, we weren't supposed to remember that something else, else actually happened or like the, well, the Kenny Omega bit. With him being in the losing streak and being in this funk because he's in a losing streak, they were talking about that going into All Out. Right. And in this interview, he's uh, blaming his loss on Pac at All Out as the reason why he's in this funk. Well, it didn't. It certainly didn't help anything. No, but that's not the reason why. Because supposedly, according to the announcers, he was in a losing streak and in this funk before that. He was in a he was in a Triple A World Title match. That's on, that's going to air on Dark tomorrow, right? Who was that against? Do you remember? Uh, I'm not sure, but I know that he's the Triple A champion, isn't he? Right. He was supposed to be. He won a, saying he was he was defending the Triple A World Title, and I think it's going to air on Dark tomorrow. And I just can't, can't remember who his opponent was going to be. I don't know. I, I don't know. I hope it's a re, uh, rematch with Ray Phoenix. Well, then I'm going to watch it. Okay. If it is, let me know and I'll watch it too. It's not. It's not Ray Phoenix because Phoenix wrestled on the Phoenix wrestled Jackson on the same night, so it was not going to be Phoenix. Oh yeah, okay. All right, that makes. Because basically, that makes if, sense. You were on, if you were on Dynamite, you're not going to be on Dark the next week. But yeah, because it's the same show. Right. Technically. Yeah. So maybe, I don't, I don't know, know anything. And it, wouldn't, and it wouldn't be Jimmy Havoc or, or Kip Sabian either because they were both in the Battle Royal. So I'm trying to think who it, could, who it could be. I don't know. Well, it could be anybody. Maybe they bring up somebody from AAA just for that match since they have the partnership with AAA. I got a better idea. Why don't they just have it be somebody from AAA coming in? <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, Anything else on this? Though, um, it's interesting that now both AEW and MLW have a have a deals with uh, AAA. 
Yeah, yeah, that was one thing that we found out during the the pay per view that we just saw what two three weeks ago. Um, I wonder how that's going to work. I wonder if it's AAA because well, I mean, if you think about it. AAA really hasn't benefited much. Neither has OVW benefited much from this partnership. Granted, they're only seven weeks into live TV, but have any of them been on the show? On any of the shows? Um, wait, what do you mean OVW? Um, what is it, Oriental? Is it OWE oh, or whatever? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was, I, th- I wasn't sure what you were calling it. I thought you maybe you got lost and called it AEW OVW, so I was kind of confused. But no, for, no, no, for no. OWE, I think all we've seen have been like those three wrestlers, right? We've seen Chima, and we've seen um, part of you yeah, know, the, whatever his team is called. SCU. Young Shang- Hearts or, Shanghai. Young Hearts or whatever. So. It, it's, no, it's SCU. It's Shanghai Club Uncensored or something like that. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. It was a really cheesy, cheesy uh, ripoff that they did going into the SCU uh, match. And then we saw Chima in, what, two other matches? And then we haven't seen anything from OVW since? Or OWE, whatever it is. The Oriental one. They did did have a match on on Dark. It was like an eight-man tag featuring featuring those guys. But yeah, we've barely seen them. You're right. I just thought it was interesting that that the two promotions have that deal, especially since, since... Kenny Omega is the AAA world champion. So I was like, well, does that mean that we could possibly see triple, see Kenny Omega on MLW then? You know? No, because they're not, he's not contracted with uh, AAA. But he's still their champion. You know, and it's weird because they do have a lot of ties with AAA. I mean, Lucha Brothers are, are AAA. You have, they're the AAA tag champs, aren't they? Still? I, as far as I know, they are, yeah. And then Omega's the AAA champion, and then you had um, Sammy Guevara, who was their longest-running uh, cruiserweight champion or junior champion. Yep. So, I mean, they got a lot of ties to OW, or to AAA. I just wonder why they're not using that company more. Yeah, it's a really good... I mean, it's, it, seems like, it seems like it's the, the other way around is, is, is more prevalent, where the AEW guys are appearing on the AAA shows. Right. Triple A guys are really appearing on the AEW shows. I mean, it does make sense when you only have five matches a week because you're they're you know they're running twenty twenty five minute matches. You know, 15, 15 to twenty minute matches they're running pretty much every match. So you're, they're not getting the um, exposure, and they've got such a big, talented, deep roster. And that was one of those things that I was you know confused about to begin with is that they had such a deep roster. How are they going to get everybody in? And they can't even get all their own guys in. Uh, they have to do stupid things like a, a diamond ring battle royal to get some people on TV. Yeah, it might it might just be that down the road they're going to you know they're going to use that those organizations to to mine talent from, or maybe they're, if they start their own middleweight or cruiserweight division, then they'll they'll pull some AAA guys in to be in that division <coughs> maybe. Yeah, that could make sense. And that would actually work. Yeah. So, we're 48 minutes in, and we still have a little bit of Ring of Honor to talk about. Yeah, I don't know how much. I mean, I didn't... The, the main event, I not want to watch the show. I'm going to pull up the... Uh, 
card here real quick. Cause I, I know that it's Taven versus Vinny, and I know you probably want to... Or maybe you don't want to see the kingdom come. Well, I need, I need to find the storyline and watch the story leading up to that before I can really bring myself to it. So I'll probably start mining through some Ring of Honor stuff lately to find, see if I can find it. So that I know the story and what's going on with that. I do want to watch that match. I think they're both incredible. There be a reason for them, you know, for Vinny to turn on Matt or vice versa. So I just have to watch the story to find out what it is. And PCO defeated Marty Skrull to get a shot at the world title at Final Battle. So, so the main event you were talking about, to let everybody know... You had, you called it an embarrassment the other day, and I and I can't disagree with that at all. It's uh, Roosh defending the world championship against PCO. I just I'm I don't know that I can watch it. I honestly don't. It's just one of those shows where, or one of those issues where I just I I don't know that I can watch it. Explain. I, it's just it's PCO, and uh, you know he's fifty six years old. The only thing he does is is a bump machine in a time when he's probably going to end up shattering a hip. And then to have him as a viable contender for the title doesn't make any sense. This is one of those where it's like, oh, okay, they're just kind of throwing somebody out there to, to go up against Roosh. And I still am not 100% sold that it was the right time to take the, the title off Taven and give it to Roosh to begin with. It was, just because Roosh was so popular. But I mean, but we're, you know, I'm still, and I realize this is, you know, like crying over spilt milk or whatever else you want to say about it, but I'm still of the mindset that for the last year and a half, Marty Skrull should have been the world champion. Yeah. You know, he, he should have been the guy, he should have, he should have won it at Best in the World 2018. If he wasn't going to win it there, he should have been the guy, he should have been the guy that takes it from um, Castle when Castle had to, had to forfeit it instead, or had to was out with the injuries and couldn't defend it anymore, instead of Jay Lethal, um, he should have been the guy to to get it um, fr from Lethal probably at Final Battle last year. I mean, it's just there's was so many times you could have put that championship on the most po not only the most popular guy, popular guy in the company, but also the, one of the hottest wrestlers in the entire goddamn world. <clears throat> and instead, you choose to put it on Jay Lethal again, and then you put it on Taven, which, you know, I'm not going to argue them putting it on Taven, because he, I think, did deserve to have the title at that time. But it, it, there's just been so many times you could have put it on Marty Skrull, and if he was under contract through November, which is certainly, which, which has turned out to be the case, there was, there was absolutely no reason not to pull the trigger on that when they could have. Well, they should, yeah, they should have pulled the trigger on that a year, uh, like you said, a year and ago, year and a half ago, with during that uh, triple threat match, um, the one that uh, Castle actually won. That would have been the the best time to pull the trigger, and especially after Castle got hurt, but they just for some reason never did, and he never got his due, and and unfortunately, I think that's what's going to cost Ring of Honor the most is never giving. This guy who busted his ass and probably did more for Ring of Honor than anybody else in the in the company did. He brought he brought fans to Ring of Honor that 
you know, as, as popular as the Bucks are, and as popular as as Cody was at the time, and and um, you know, SCU and everybody else was, I would, I have a hard time not saying that Marty Skrull was the most popular member of that group. Right, he definitely was, and, that, and you know, he was able to spin off his own group with PCO and um, oh, I can't think of the guy. Uh, just about, just about Brody that. King. Brody King, thank you. Um, yeah, and you know they were the most popular. They were still the most popular group in the company. So I mean, it's just you know, and, and Skrull has Skrull has got on record saying, you know, if you wanted me to stay, you should have put the title on me. So I mean, I don't think he's going to resign with Ring of Honor. Even right. They're making a push for it, and it's just, um, <laughs> you know, I, I I feel like it's they're already a dead promotion. I mean, I'm still going to watch Final Battle. It breaks my heart because you know they're they're one of the companies that we named this podcast after but i don't see right you know, but, but i but i mean with, with the advent of aew with how they screwed up by not by refusing to work with aew you know i don't see how this company is able to survive another year and i don't either I, I especially when as of like two days ago they had sold like 363 tickets for their biggest show of the year and there's three weeks to go Wow. Yeah, they they really and and I get it. I understand, you know, they're not they lost a lot of talent, but they really did nothing to restock the shelves and give us quality, you know, quality replacement for that stuff. Right. You know, it, it's like, yeah, okay, they lost the elite. They lost SCU. They, you know, they lost. Well, best friends were signed by New Japan, weren't they? Yes. So, but they, but they still, they lost all of these guys, and their answer to that was to screw Marty Skrull out of the title he deserved. He should have had to, um, you know, keep up with the worst angle you know championship run of the last probably 15 20 years in uh having the belt stay on lethal as long as it did and then they did nothing to bring in and pump up the talent that they were bringing in other than roosh and roosh was more of a um people being in love with lij well not lij but um Los Ignorables in Mexico and Dragon Lee. You know, he he was just a popular guy because of his talent and what he brought, but I just think that he got pushed to the moon too quick when there were other people that had been there for a very long time that should have gotten should have gotten that rub. Like why did Dalton Castle get swept under the rug when he came back? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. He had a but, but, he had a phenomenal heel turn. They did nothing with it. So if you look at the rest of the card, you know, they're, they're, they're really putting, you know, I think they're putting on, on a solid, at least three, three out of the five matches. You've got the Briscoes are defending against Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham, which is probably the best tag match they can put on right now. Um, yeah. You have Shane Taylor defending the TV title against Dragon Lee, which is probably the best TV title match they can put on right now. Um, and you've got Matt Taven versus uh, Vinny Marcello, who's now just going by Vincent. So I think that's going to be a hell of a match. And then the other, the other one of the matches that we have not mentioned at all was, um, is Mark Haskins taking on Bully Ray in a street fight. So. 
Um, and that, I, would, that I don't. a good match, but it's, it's like, do we really need Bully Ray to keep being on these cards these days? Well, you know, that, that runs back to the way that um, he booked in ECW. And that was one of the biggest complaints that a lot of people had. And, and part of the reason they felt like ECW was doomed was when Bully Ray took over booking and, and wrote himself into major storylines all the time. You know, and unfortunately, as talented of a heel as Bully Ray is, he just should not be booked on the biggest card of all time against a really sound technical wrestler in a street fight. Mark has that's not using Mark Haskins to his best ability. Well, I mean, the, uh, an argument. I, I'm, I'm gonna just gonna make play devil's advocate here. You know, Bully Ray last year had this incredible feud against Flip Gordon. It made Flip Gordon Gordon into a star to the point where now he's at, at the point where, you know, you and I thought he could probably lead Villain Enterprises if Marty Skrull were, were to leave. So, I mean, right. I, I think I think that he's capable of getting a guy over. And I think he, with this kind of feud, I think he proved it last year. So I can see where you might look at this and go, okay, so this could be another example of where Bully is using his standing to get another guy, another young guy over. On the other hand, it's also it seems like a spot where you know, they're already struggling, so why are you putting Bully Ray in this spot when it could go to a young guy that maybe they can get some exposure to? Like a um a guy that would have been perfect for this is that um oh what the hell's his name? Uh part of Shinobi Shadow Squad, the actual talented one. Eli Asim? Yeah. That it would have been a great spot and would have fit more of the flip role from last year. The the difference between Flip and Mark Haskins is, is Mark Haskins is probably not getting the cheers that Flip did, which at the time were unexplainable when the feud started. Because I mean, Jesus, Mark Haskins got booed out of the building the first time he or not not Mark Haskins. Um, wow, yeah, I'm getting him confused. Okay, wait, it is Mark Haskins he's doing the street fight with. Yeah, it is. Still don't like it, but at least that fits Mark Haskins. I was thinking of um, that other, the singing guy. Joe Hendry? Joe Hendry, yeah. So, I take it all back. I take the last two-minute rant back. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think it's it's the best spot for um, Mark Haskins, but at least it fits a little bit more than Joe Hendry would have. Yeah, Joe Hendry isn't even listed on the card yet, which is also perplexing considering how how big they, how much fanfare they gave him when he came in. You know, the fact that he was booed off the screen when they came in, though. I mean, he tried to go for his little one-liners and his pops, and and people booed him for it. That was one of the worst debuts I've ever seen. Hmm. I guess I'm, I guess I don't remember that. It's just people just don't. Um, it, it, it probably wasn't the wisest idea to bring in uh, a guy who's not known in the States, who does have a pretty good reputation in England, but he's not really known in the States. And you're bringing him into, at the time, the third ranked company in the world or in, in the United States and hoping that your hardcore wrestling fans know who he is. I think it's more the, where they brought him in, too. You know, he's not he's not. Ring of Honor is not the entertainment place. No, it's so, not. So, so, so a guy, you know, even though he can really wrestle, a guy who's coming in singing, singing like that, I thought, I always thought was a weird fit for Ring of Honor. 
I was excited that they got him. I was excited to see him back. Sometimes I was actually going to watch. But, um, but yeah, he, he really is not a fit with the Ring of Honor style. I mean, he he made it he made it work for Impact. He definitely made it work for Defiant um, and you know progress and everything in um, Britain. But he just you're right. He just doesn't fit. I mean, when you've got the top guys are are guys like Shane Taylor and Matt Taven and and the Briscoes, Joe Hendry coming in and being put as a top guy just didn't fit. I mean, even Dalton Castle, who's more of a showman than what you would expect in Ring of Honor, still had that grit to him that that Joe Hendry doesn't. Exactly. I mean, and Joe Hendry, Joe Hendry is the guy. Is the you know he can like I said he can wrestle, but his gimmick is that he's out there singing and and he's making fun of his opponents with his songs, and that's really not a Ring of Honor type of gimmick. Never, never has no. been, never will be, really. No. No, and it's sad to see. I just I, I wish them the best because Ring of Honor and New Japan are what got me back into wrestling. I'd taken a you know few year break because I was bored with the um, you know the other company, and those two really got me back into it. And to see Ring of Honor struggling the way they are, um, they're starting to remind me of Impact in the early two thousands, or not early two thousands. I'm sorry, the early uh, you know. 2010, 11, 12. Well, Jesus, 2009, too. Once Hogan and Dixie came in. But that's what they're starting to remind me of, is bad storytelling, um, not being able to keep their top guys and pushing the wrong people. Yeah, it's weird to be in... It's weird to feel like... um you want Impact to take over Ring of Honor, but I still, I really want Ring of Impact to take over Ring of Honor. Well, and now I'm hoping that rumor that we talked about a few uh, months ago was actually is actually true. Right, exactly. I I would love to see them. You know, I I w- would hate to see Ring of Honor leave because they've got such. Um, it, it, to me, it would be a lot like it was when WCW left. Yeah, their product sucked, and they weren't putting on good shows, and you know, but. I shed a tear when when Vince bought WCW, and I knew it was going away. And I'd probably do the same thing if somebody bought Ring of Honor and was going to dissolve it too. Um, I mean, I get it; they'd have a hell of a you know that would help impact out immensely with their video library, and you know how much would that help them to get access to a CM Punk video library or uh, you know a Brian Danielson library. It, it just that would be great for them. Plus, they would get all the um, Samoa Joe stuff that they to add to their own Samoa Joe collection, and it it would be a great move for them. And they would get whatever talent that they can pluck out of there, out of there. And right now, and especially if Marty Skrull leaves, is there a lot of talent even there anymore? I mean, there's Eli Isom, which I th- who I think is is really talented. You got Shane Taylor, you've got all three members of the kingdom, if there even is a kingdom anymore. I think Brody King's extremely talented, and there, you know, there's a few people here and there. Jonathan Gresham really started to, uh, to grow on me. So, I mean, they do have some talent, but I don't know that they have the right booking in place, and I don't know that they have enough talent to continue to carry them. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive that they don't. Um, but I but I think that, they, that, they, that the talents that they do have would do a great job restocking impact. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You had, you I had, think you had Matt Taven, Roosh, um, Dalton Castle, uh, even Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham into, into that singles mix, along with Vinnie Marcella. Um, and then you add like the tag, and then you know you add the tag teams that they have there, like um, the Bouncers and the Briscoes and. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. I mean, I know they have no. There's South. Too, but, yeah. But, but, I mean, close, but I mean, the close. the point is that you know, Impact has been booking so well lately, but they've been doing it so much with smoke and mirrors too. You know, because right. they, because they've they've been they've had all these old ECW guys there that have been carrying a lot of the a lot of the load. You know, they have they have uh, they recently signed Ken Shamrock, and he's wrestling for them again. Whereas if you if you got the, get the ECW guy or the uh, ROH guys, then you're completely restocking with with younger talent that can actually go out there and work. And a lot of those guys are believable main eventers. Right. For the for the main event that Impact has, I mean, Impact really doesn't have much in the way of a main event anymore. Outside of Moose, um, Sammy, and Brian Cage, do they have anybody that would be considered a main eventer? Um, Pretty much everybody else has left. Yeah, I mean, and that's just it. It's there. Yeah, we know that she's a yeah, talented and wrestler and, and everything. Michael Elgin. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Michael Elgin. But they definitely need an influx of talent, especially in the singles rankings, especially in that upper car, upper mid card to main event. Uh, and I think they could get that with just four guys out of Ring of Honor, five guys out of Ring of Honor. You know, they could do it with Gresham and um, Jay Lethal, and and that might be something that Jay Lethal needs to respark his career. And they could do it with uh, you know Matt Taven and Brody King and Roosh. And all of a sudden, Impact's got one of the best main event scenes out there. Right. And, and you know, let's, all, let's also take a moment just to say that um, Ring of Honor doesn't deserve to keep going with the way they treated Kelly Klein the last few weeks. I, that I agree to. I, I do agree with that. And it's embarrassing. That was, that's ridiculous. And it's also embarrassing that now it's come out um, that... She was a ring, their world heavyweight champion, their only three-time world heavyweight champion. She was making a grand total of twenty-four thousand dollars a year. That's it's just ridiculous. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. That's I, absolutely I, I, ridiculous. I, 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 felt, I felt like we went too long without mentioning Kelly Klein here because that's you know, that, that's been a huge story and and it deserves to be. So you know they they well, I mean honestly. Well, that's the perfect um, perfect example of doing somebody dirty who puts in good work for you. It really is. And, I mean, honestly, if we hadn't already paid for Final Battle, I probably wouldn't watch it just out of spite for that. Yeah, and I wouldn't blame you. And, and if we'd known this ahead of time, that might be... Um, it, it just And then to fire her, too, on top of it all. You know, it's not like... Like it was just a buyout of the contract, but to publicly fire her, it's just sickening. Yeah, and then they and then they said, "Well, we didn't actually fire her; we're just not renewing her contract." Yeah, her contract for twenty four thousand dollars, assholes. I just googled it because there's been something else that came out recently. Like she, there was something with a medical with a doctor 
that she had an interview. She had an interview and, and she there was something about where she was injured and they didn't have a doctor there to check on her. Wasn't that kind of the same thing Cross had with Impact? Yep. Yeah, Cross wouldn't Cross would refuse to to do the to um, bleed in the first in that uh, hardcore the first blood match she had against um, Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards because there was no doctor there. And he got fired for it. You still researching? Well, I was just, I guess she had a concussion. Um, and there was no, they didn't have a doctor on staff to check on her. And she came back and literally laid on the, the concrete floor in the woman's dressing room, just kind of babbling for over an hour before somebody actually reported that she might be hurt. Yeah. And then they wanted her, and then they, and then they didn't believe that she was still injured and were trying to force her to come back and wrestle early. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's just, it's just disgusting. And then when you find out she was making, um, 24,000 a year in a promotion that is owned by a billion dollar company, it's ridiculous. And actually, and actually, I, I had no idea she was married to, B, to B.J. Whitmer, so, you know, good for him. <laughs> I didn't realize that either. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, good for B.J. She said that they can't even, she wouldn't even be able to um, pay her doctor bills if it wasn't for B.J. Right. How, how could you on, I, 20, on $24,000 a year... Not be, and then not being able to work because you had a concussion. They wanted to renew her 2019 contract by increasing it by four thousand dollars. Oh, good. Just so her next contract no on her next contract is what the hell? Just disgusting. So she's kind of coming out and saying that they've got an unsafe work environment well, is basically what it's amounting to, well, which sounds like they do. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like they do. So, um, I mean, I got nothing, nothing else. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch all the wrestling I wanted to um, this weekend. I had totally planned on binging and, well, things went sideways, which is usually my life. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, all, we're pretty much we're pretty much past our, our regular our usual time frame anyway, but we, we thought it was important to talk about Ring of Honor um, and, you know, the, the trials and tribulations they're going through right now. Well, self-imposed trials and tribulations in most cases that they're going through right now because they've had so many opportunities with that promotion to, to do things differently and better than they have been, and instead, not only do they, you know, they book the wrong people, do they employ the wrong people, do they not pay people enough money, do they put their, their employees at risk, but they also just don't don't even know how to, how to promote their product success, you know. Anywhere right. Close to so. And we talked. I mean, we talked about their lack of promotion. What a few months ago? I want to say, yeah, I want to say it was three or four months ago. So, so. 
So, yeah. But all right, you guys, uh, YouTube, check us out on there. The show will be up in probably the next hour on YouTube. Um, you know, subscribe, uh, hit the notification bell. Just uh, you know, click the click the link, listen to it for a little bit, and all that helps us out in the long run. Uh, it's youtube.com slash kingdom of honor. I uh, mentioned Patreon earlier. We are going to do a Patreon exclusive show here in, in a few minutes, and it should be up uh, later tonight. Uh, this time it's... Uh, we're going to be discussing three pivotal points in ECW's history. Um, the rise of the Dreamer, the rise of e- e- Extreme Championship Wrestling, and uh, I, I don't know if I want to call it the downfall of Public Enemy, but I think that was the match that really started their exodus from from ECW. Right, and it um, also continues kind of the, the rise of Mikey Whipwreck as well. Right, exactly. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be discussing that tonight, and that'll be on our Patreon page. Of course, I'll tweet out a link as soon as I get it up. Uh, but that's, you know, check that out, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, if you guys can donate to us, that would be fantastic. You know, we've got some solid, uh, solid people donating now. And unfortunately, I don't have the list in front of me, so I can't really shout it out. Um, but, you know, Cliff, uh, Matt, or Cliff, Matt, Ryan, uh, Kathy, you guys know who you are. Um, thanks. Thank you so much. It helps us out greatly. Uh, also, uh, I did mention Twitter. You know, follow me. Follow Zanman. Uh, it's Zanman LOP is for Shane. At Regi Co-op is for me. Best way to find them is to use the hashtags. We use hashtag DAD or hashtag KOH for everything that we put up there. And remember, you can you can also listen to all the LOP radio shows on LOP's YouTube channel as well. Um, stay tuned. Um, I, I don't believe Global Revolution is back tomorrow, but on Wednesday you'll get a double dose as Sports Entertainment is dead, and then we'll be here with you live on Dynamite After Dark. On Thursday, LOP Radio Adventure. On Friday, the right side of the pond, and then we'll be back with you next week to talk about something in the world of wrestling. We have no idea what yet, so... <laughs> Figure it out. We ne- we never know. <laughs> That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. Until then, this is Zan saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G one climax twenty seven. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.